Join me for a reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then, there were, was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, the Gospel of Mark is always a shock to the system. As Marcus preached last week, there's a boldness and urgency in this Gospel that we don't see elsewhere in the Gospels. Everything happens suddenly, immediately after the, next, the last event. Jesus' ministry begins with boldness in this very first chapter. When the other gospel writers ease us into Jesus' life with genealogies or introductions, nativity stories about shepherds and wise men, the writer of Mark jumps right in with Jesus' baptism, his temptation in the desert, calling the disciples, then teaching and healing. All of that in the first chapter. This scripture passage for today is eight verses, but it is chock full of action, and it sets forth the idea of Jesus' full ministry in this gospel. While other gospels have different miracles as Jesus' first action of ministry, there is much for us to learn about this story of Jesus teaching in the synagogue and driving out the evil spirit from the man in Capernaum. In this story, Jesus and his newly found disciples go to the synagogue on the Sabbath for Jesus to teach. The crowds are amazed that he speaks as one with authority. The crowds listen and take in his teaching. And then Jesus seems to be interrupted by a man with an unclean spirit who he heals, further amazing the crowd. The thing that you have to sort of understand about every gospel is that the writers, like all authors who have pieces of literature, they have this storytelling perspective. They have a point that they're trying to help you understand, and they use certain storytelling styles to communicate with us as readers. And Mark's immediacy, urgency, boldness is communicated in every part of the narrative. It's almost like every single event happens mere moments after the one before it. Jesus is teaching, and then he immediately is healing this sick man, casting out the unclean spirit. Then he goes about his day, the next two sections of the chapter, which both include healing as well. The writer is trying to convey to us that with Jesus, everything changes quickly. The kingdom of God is one that is quite different than the world we're used to, and Christ ushers it in before we even know what is happening. 
And we find ourselves transformed before we even know that we needed a change. Jesus is active in Mark. He's not just teaching with words, teaching long discourses of of, uh, theology or doctrine, but he's working with authority and action that brings real change into people's lives. This man's life changes, not later on as he understands things more fully, but right now, right in the middle of his day. Everyone who was present saw this absolute power that Christ displays over the spiritual life of this man, and everyone had no question about who Jesus got his authority from. Jesus brings about a total transformation in this man's life, and the authority that he used was directly from God alone. For truly, any type of transformation transformation of someone's physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual life of this kind must be a miracle from God's authority alone. I think these stories for us as modern readers are hard to process because understandably we get caught up in these logical questions of who and what and when and where and most especially how do these miracles occur. We have all these questions about miraculous healings, and especially when they involve something so far outside of our modern thinking as unclean spirits being cast out. A biblical scholar, Howard Clark Key, writes about the healings of Jesus that modern readers think immediately of medicine, looking for a diagnosis, psychosis, epilepsy, and begin to discuss a treatment or some sort of medical knowledge that would help perform this miracle. Of course, ancient readers and ancient listeners to this story would have thought of magic, listening and thinking that this man is the victim of a curse that has either befallen him or a family member because of disobedience to the law. But Key reminds us that the answer is neither medicine nor magic. The ministry of Jesus gives us another possibility, miracle. When a transformation of this magnitude occurs, only God can be behind it. When I speak to the children of our church, I always try for more simple explanations that they can easily remember. And whenever they ask, what is a miracle? I always respond, a miracle is something only God can do. We all know that we are tempted to spend endless hours discussing how miracles might have very plausible medical explanations or how a miracle is simply the result of skills and abilities and years of scientific knowledge and work like a particular vaccine or medical treatment. We might spend time asking for expert advice from theologians and preachers and teachers about if miracles are real or not. Or we might spend time asking someone who's experienced a miracle what their experience was like, or trying to convince them of our own miracle. But miracles are not to be understood by our human minds. They are not to be parsed or explained. They are to be known and experienced. For when we have faith in Christ, when we know the authority of God, We can accept miracles 
because we have seen the miracle of transformation that God has performed in our own lives. Now that doesn't mean you're not a good Christian if you struggle with the idea of an unclean spirit being cast out or if you find yourself a little cynical when watching television preachers who offer healing from medical illness but without medical treatment. But it does mean that when we know God, when we know what he can do, then a miracle is what we see in our own lives that have been transformed. When we are released of emotions, situations, the spiritual or medical needs that we might have, preventing us from living our lives of faith most fully. When we're released from that, we can see the power of God's transformation. When we can be healed of bitterness, hopelessness, addictions or emotions, shame and sin, or anything else that's holding us back from fully knowing God, when we see that, that freedom, we can be filled in a new life filled with hope and joy, free from addictions and emotions that blur our lives. We let go of the shame in our past or feelings that have been holding us back, and we're released from the sin that keeps us from being sanctified in Christ. We are a miracle of transformation. Now this man in Capernaum experiences that kind of life-changing miracle in his life. He comes to the synagogue on the Sabbath. It might have been his habit, something he did every week, or it might have been because he was in the midst of a crisis. But he encountered God in a way that he never would have expected, and Christ offered healing and transformation to a man who would never be the same again. The scribes and the normal synagogue teachers didn't have the authority to change his life in the way that Christ did. And that's a good reminder, a reminder to all of us as leaders and pastors, and even you as a Christian, that we can always teach, we can always lead, we can always preach, but only God can change a life in need of transformation. And while you or I may never have suffered from an unclean spirit, we all are in need of transformation from God. We are all in need of Christ to enter our lives and cast out the spirits of sin, of shame, of self-centeredness, and replace them with his grace and his mercy, allowing us to live in freedom of being his disciple. This is the kind of thing that only God can do, a miracle of transformation that leads to our lives being ones filled with the Holy Spirit rather than unclean spirits that we might want to lean on. This is the miracle of transformation that all disciples have in their story of faith, one that allows each of us to know God and to know the way of discipleship. So, what is your story of transformation? How has God replaced your hopelessness with hope, your bitterness with joy, your shame with confidence, your selfishness with sacrifice for others? How have you experienced the miracle of transformation? 
And how is that transformation seen in your actions each day? The man who was healed in Capernaum and those in the crowd that day were amazed at Jesus' teachings with his healing and with the transformation that took place, so much so that they had to talk about it with others. The Gospel of Mark maybe has one other famous literary device, the Messianic Secret, which is this literary device where none of the human characters within the Gospel can recognize Jesus for who he is as the Son of God, and that anyone who does proclaim it is immediately told to be quiet or keep that news to themselves. We see it here in our story as the unclean spirit within the man identifies Jesus as the Holy One of God, but is immediately rebuked and cast out of the man. But you see, the messianic secret is really one of the worst kept secrets in the human history because it says in verse 28 that his fame spread throughout Galilee. Now, I've read a lot in the Bible, but the word fame really stuck out to me in this reading. Of course, like you do, I think of fame being associated with celebrities and politicians, folks with millions of dollars and musicians who are very talented and all of these things. I'm not sure that Jesus would have topped the list of famous people in my mind. But the translator of the NRSV uses the word fame in English to convey the meaning of a Greek word, the Greek word akae, which is sometimes translated news or rumor. The root word for this Greek word is the same root word as the word for ear. So it also can mean hearing or someone telling you something and you taking it in and understanding it. I love the idea of this story of Jesus healing the man in Capernaum, being passed from person to person to person through the telling of the story. I can imagine fishermen going out into the market and telling it as they sold their catch. I can imagine women around the wells passing the story of Jesus casting out this demon that they had all known since he was a little boy. I can imagine children telling their friends outside of school or friends gathering neighbors and maybe travelers from another village to hear the going-ons of the day and hearing a story of Jesus teaching and healing, and that story spreading, not just in Capernaum, but into the other villages, into the other communities, until it had spread all over Galilee. Jesus' fame spread. People learned of him teaching and healing, of him feeding people bread and feeding their minds and their hearts with a kind of authoritative teaching that they had never heard before. There was something about the transforming power of Jesus that just had to be talked about with others. I can imagine that's true for you too and your story of transformation. When God has done something wonderful in your life, you want to tell others about it. You can't hide that hope that you experience after your life has been transformed in Christ. So have you told your story of transformation lately? Have you told your spouse, your children, your neighbors, your friends? 
part of sharing the heart of God from the heart of downtown Macon, which is our purpose and our mission as a church, part of that is to tell the story. We need to share with others the transforming power of Christ in our lives, how our daily lives are filled with hope, with joy, grace, and mercy, that even in our sacrifices for others, we see God at work. When we give and we serve, we see God lifted up with those in need in our community, and we know that God is transforming new lives every day through our church. So when is the last time you shared your story? When is the last time you experienced God's transformation, that miracle in your life? When is the last time you knew God had done something that only God could do in you? And when was the last time you saw that miracle? Did you tell someone? Have you shared your story to encourage someone else? Have you shared your story to show that God is still actively working and engaged in your life? Have you shared your story to let people know that God is alive here in Macon, Georgia? Have you shared your story so that Jesus' fame will spread from person to person to community to community and into all the world so that others can be transformed by the miracle of God's power and love and grace? that Jesus' name can be made great in our homes, in our community, and in the whole world. Amen.